Hello and welcome to the Foolish Gents Filmcast, the official podcast of Foolish Gentleman Films. I'm Jake Rubin. And I'm Max Pava. Today we are going to be discussing the latest HBO phenomenon, The Night Of, which... Uh, yeah, we, we talked about it on here before. Yeah, we talked um, about the pilot uh, in length and then a bit about the second and third episode, and this is our first time returning. The finale aired this Sunday, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hot topic of conversation. We know a lot of you have been watching it, and uh, we'll give some thoughts on the finale and the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, do you want to kind of start off just talking about the pilot, or do you want to you want to just go well, I, I, first I impressions on the whole thing, or, or I, the I pilot? Think, sorry, the finale. <laughs> well, actually, what I was going to say is, I, I, I kind of want to start by saying that we both were huge fans of the pilot, and we addressed that pretty early on in the podcast. Um, I, I think we both applauded it for its. I mean, it's um, clear sense of tone, but also felt like a very original piece. I mean, I just think we were both kind of floored and taken away by it. Yeah, I mean, I remember going into this, I, I had a lot of reservations because I thought that this piece looked a bit opportunistic. It really looked to me like uh, somebody behind an executive chair saw things like the jinx and making a murderer were really taking off, and they're like... This, uh, this turf for, like, uh, hour-long dramas is ripe for that kind of a story. Yeah, and it also had a dark um, True Detective kind of feel, and it was literally filling the True Detective spot that had been, that yeah, had held yeah, yeah. that uh, midsummer HBO spot the two previous years. Well, what made me actually watch it was hearing about the origin of it, where it was James Gandolfini's passion project after The Sopranos, and he had kind of tried to push this thing through for years and years. They actually shot a few scenes with him with Riz Ahmed also, and then uh, he passed away, so they had to... Kind of go back to the drawing board and and cast it again and, and start over. Um, yeah, I heard it was actually De Niro for like a second before it got to John Turturro. Yeah, my understanding is they didn't actually shoot anything with De Niro. They didn't. Yeah. There was just a period where he was going to get on a plane and he was going to do this, which also would have been awesome. I think I think there are three different versions of this show with all of those actors. Yeah, very, um, very different with De Niro because that just adds a bit of age that's not there right now, which I think would have... Um, I mean, with Box's whole retiring storyline, it would have been interesting if... Totoro's character was as old or older than him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it's now finished, and I think... Here's what I'll say. I, I think this is, like, pretty good TV. I don't think it's mind-blowing. I don't think it did anything that um, feels total. Actually, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say there weren't things that were transcendent, because there were pockets of things that I thought were fantastic in it, in a piece that moved along at a really weird pace and never quite lived up to that pilot for me. There were moments throughout episodes two to eight that felt that they were in the same world as the pilot, but on a whole, it never matched um, that level of, of filmmaking, TV making to me. Well, so I remember when we talked about the pilot on here, a big thing that we brought up was that it, it seemed almost impossible to maintain that same level of tension that they create for what's at least, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of that hour and a half pilot. And um, it's like edge of the seat tension. I mean, I, I, and that's really where I would praise this show, you know, even across the board. And this, this finale had a few episodes, like when Nas took the stand that, um, almost stop your heart and you, you, you hold your breath and you sit on the edge of your seat and, uh, I find this show really engaging and really hard to look away from when I'm watching it. Um, it generally, like, I don't have a computer open or my phone out. I, I, this show gets my attention. Totally. I give it the same attention I actually would, like, Game of Thrones. Um, or yeah. I did for OJ or another show that I'm like, you know, I literally said to my girlfriend last night, like, I'm turning off the lights and 
I'm going to be in the zone for the next 95 minutes watching this. Well, I feel, I feel like I felt with Narcos, which was like a whole different level of that for me, where I was like the first show in a while where I was like, I mean, part of it was because it was half in Spanish. I was like, I actually had to read the subtitles. I was like, I got to sit down. I need to watch the screen on this. And um, I remember feeling the same way with True Detective, where if you like looked away for a scene, you suddenly were like, I don't understand what's happening at all. Mm-hmm. And this show is kind of the opposite sometimes, where you could look away for four scenes and not know that they happened. But uh, at the same time, still managed to hold my interest the same way. And um, these tense moments were like horror movie. They're better than a horror movie. I mean, it, it was like uh, my heart rate would speed up sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I like this that show. you pointed like out. Bad. Yeah, I, I like that what you pointed out when Nas is on the stand, because I think that and the whole beautifully shot sequence of him getting out of Rikers were the two moments of this finale that really stood out to me and felt like gave me that feeling I had in the pilot of just feeling like on the edge of my seat in this amazing like slow tension there yeah there was a scene I I think it was uh episode six or five where they had the one where they were trading the drugs in like the meeting room that that was another one where it was like similar levels of tension yeah, and um, the show really... I just realized I don't know if we did a uh, spoiler disclaimer, so here's oh, we're one talking about the f- whole thing. five minutes late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking about the whole thing. I don't know why you'd be listening if you haven't watched all the night of. Um, if you are, yeah, go watch it. Um, the I agree with the drug. So I, th- I think the show succeeded, actually, um, in moments when it really slowed down, which yeah. I wouldn't say about a lot of shows. I think this show was peaking when you were really in those long, suspenseful, strung-out scenes that really gave these characters, like, full breaths of time on screen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Versus, I- versus like, and, and especially you got with um, Nas's parents, who overall were two of my favorite characters in the show. I thought they were so much stronger at the beginning when we had, like, these real moments of them realizing and talking and realizing their son was in prison versus like the dropping storyline kind of fell away. That by fell the away, end and we only dropped in on them and like to check in and make sure they're still going once it moved on. And, yeah. and like I missed having moments with them. And I guess for me, uh, the show kind of expanded after the first episode into this vast prison world and this vast law, law world, and you know, getting into the whole judicial system. And I actually think the show was at its most successful when it had a narrow focus. And I almost wish it didn't expand so much and that we had more time just with the characters established in the beginning. Like, I would have wanted more time with Box and more yeah, time with Nas's parents. And, and, like, I would have been okay if they expanded this to 10 episodes and gave us, like, maybe not a complete bottle episode, but, like, a good chunk of... of of Detective Box. Well, I felt like he was so interesting at the beginning and he didn't get quite the payoff I wanted and an, as much character development as I wanted. The show kind of felt to me like it wanted to take the time to really move slowly at points. And, it, and, and I kind of get what you're saying. Like, I, I almost wish that we would have gotten um, an episode where we followed the prosecuting attorney home and saw, like, I mean, we get that one glimpse with her shoes of, like, another side of this human. Um, I, I mean, and, and, and especially in this finale, for a minute there, she's really made out to be the villain here. Um, and, and, and seems like she's going to straight up ignore evidence in order to get a conviction, because it looks good for the state. Um, so, like, I don't know, I, I just thought that, like, maybe if we had seen that her home life isn't that great or something, and, like, I guess they're maybe saving for that reveal of, like, she's like Totoro at the end, but I don't know. I, I, I think, um, I, I'm really with you, because I, I think that, for me... 
the the times that this show thrived when it wasn't the big grand tense beats was actually like the really small stuff that just made this environmentally rich but it was kind of the stuff on the sides like beats like that autopsy scene where he's like what do you need this to be what do you, what do you tell me what the words on the stand are going to be and um, there's that one beat, I think it's in the pilot, where Totoro kind of threatens a cop off screen where he's like, show me that, show me that chokehold you used in this case and stuff. And um, uh, another beat would be like that, that one judge being like, to Totoro being like, right place, right time. And it was just kind of that insider kind of um, like buddy-buddy environment between the guys who are on opposite teams that just never get shown in other things. Yeah, and also the people... It felt so authentic and, and also, new. like, the people just working at the precinct who are mad that they're there late. The people who this is... So, like, for Nas and Stone a bit, this is, like, the moment of a lifetime. Especially for Nas, kind of for Stone. Cause I mean, really for Stone. I, th- yeah. I, I think especially the way this ends where he gets the phone call and yeah, he goes I guess you're right, yeah. right back to the same old, but, same old. But it's, what's also interesting is the people who this is just another case for. And I think the prosecutor is a great example of someone who it is another case kind of until the end. But all the people just in the prison, the cops who get Nas at first. Well, and, that, and Box has no dilemma when they find the other suspect at the top of seven and saying that that's not an actual stabbing that's the same as Andrea's. Which, which doesn't even sound like it actually tied into the real crime in any way. Yeah. But it was like, you know, before he retired and realized he had nothing to work on, he didn't even care about this. Right, and, and so which brings me to say, and I know, uh, you know, some people might think this is crazy, but I would have rather they left out all the red herrings and focused on these people more. It did like, get really annoying around episode five and six where it was like, we're going to end every episode and then it's we're just going to point the finger at this guy and then this guy and this guy and make you think that they all did it. Right, that's what I need honestly, that. It, it felt like it became all-star law and order at times. Like, yeah, you bit. know what I mean? Like when they're bringing in Dwayne Reed, which is the only joke they had in this and they beat it over the head. When, you know, they have Don Taylor, the stepdad, and all these different things, and then it ends up being the guy from Royal Pains and Road Trip, who, like, wasn't really a great payoff because we didn't know much about him. We did have that scene, though, where they did kind of, like, line everything out that he had access to the finances and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and they did hint that they had a relationship in that scene. I remember that they kind yeah, of, like... and, and that, didn't, that didn't ruin the show for me, but if the point of this is that, like... They the um, prosecutors decided this is the story we're gonna tell. Let's just focus on that story, and the and the characters around it, and don't bring in all the outside noise. And I'm sure they would have gotten flack from people saying like, "You never looked into how Andrea had the apartment." And well, one thing I thought was silly, this, but is I, how, how did no one ever bring up the fact that when they brought him in, he wasn't covered in blood yet? The room had like blood splatters up the walls. That seemed to be like 101. Like, I'm not a lawyer, but that's what I would have pointed to first. Like <laughs> Totally. Um, yeah. So I guess my point is, like, if they were trying to not be a normal procedural, which I think was a line that they really struggled to balance, I would have rather they just totally ignored the procedural aspect. I mean, you can't totally do that. You have to have the courtroom stuff. But just spent so much more time with these characters and these, like, slow, beautiful character beats. Well, let's talk about the way this plays out a little bit because I, I kind of felt like the ambiguity of the way they decided to end this in the courtroom, not in the show, but in the court case where it's a hung jury and they don't make a decision, kind of let the writers off the hook for having to actually make a statement about our justice system, which, I mean, yeah, there's all these tiny jabs in here, you know, with the one guy being like, why can't I do Jew time in the one episode and stuff like that. Like, there's 
It takes small blows, but there was a real chance to take a swing at the end of this, and they kind of missed, in my opinion. You don't think that's the statement, though? I, th- well, I thought well, the statement so, was that there is... Well, so, it just keeps spinning. So, so the... Um, the source material for this, Criminal Justice, the British show it's based on, what, the one main difference I know is that in the end, the main guy um, is convicted and then is later exonerated when they catch the guy who did it. Now, here's the real thing. I don't even need to see who really did it. I, I don't even need to know. That could have been a stranger, to be honest, and I would have been satisfied with that because that's really not the point of the show. And, like, I kind of like that they don't exactly say if Nas did or didn't do it, but we can get into that a little bit more. I think they kind of do, and it's not really fair because they let themselves off the hook with the trial and then have a scene later where they're like, no, Nas is innocent. And I'm like, well, why'd you do that then? Um, and and I guess that's the thing is, like, I thought that they missed an opportunity to say something because, like, that's the whole point is, like, the slow wheels of justice, like, the way this guy's rights get trampled on and, like, the assumption of guilt and stuff. And if that doesn't amount to an actual conviction, I mean, I guess it's more dramatic that they sweep in and save the trial at the last second, but it kind of, like, uh, pulled the rug out from what they were building up to for me. Well, right, and I think this is kind of summarizing... It didn't ruin what, it, but it, no, like... No, but this is summarizing what we kind of been getting at for ten minutes now, which is, like, the whodunit is never what mattered about this show. No, and, and uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, being a TV show, they inevitably want to get back to that because that's the big plot point. But it's kind of that thing of, like... The question why is not, or, or who here is not really what's interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of wish we didn't have that last scene with um, Weiss and uh, Box where she's like, let's go get him, because that... Kind of gave everything a bow. I mean, I, I, this was not a series I expected to have a bow on stuff, and I guess, like, they left some dark threads. Nods now has a drug problem. Uh, ter- terrible relationship with his mother. Everyone in his town thinks he's a murderer. He has a billion tattoos and, and a, huge, yeah. a huge heroin problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not great for him. Um, but, yeah, because I, I, I honestly, I don't know if you want to talk about who you think did it, but I, I think there was a great opportunity in... I think they showed you who yeah. did it. I mean, they showed, well, I guess, they showed the camera footage of that guy getting out and going into her building. So, like... Right. I, I don't think that they left it ambiguous enough that you could be like... Right. And I wish they did, because part of me would have thought, I would have loved to be able to make the argument that Nas still did it. Well, and I'm, I'm pointing to that Freddy scene, where they basically have him say, like, spiritually, you are innocent. And I was like, this absolves him of any potential guilt he had before this, because it's the show saying that even the most rotten human here can see that this guy is innocent. Right. And um, I don't know. I thought the whole point was to show this innocent guy get convicted. I thought that's what we were watching in the show. And, um, like, yeah, I had a heart, like, you know, Rikers and, and had a very serious experience. I think, you know, like, his character is ultimately changed because of this. But I think that they kind of, like, uh, kind of fumbled the landing here. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I, I understand where they were going at the end. And Stone kind of tried to clean up the whole Rikers thing with, like, it's more of a story about incarceration and what prison does to someone to skew the image. Like, I guess the idea was probably that they would use Nas's transformation of Rikers and him adapting to what he has to do to make us think he did it and then flip that back on its head. I want to come back to that in a second. But I don't... I think they pushed it a little too far because I think if you're a smart person, you have to know maybe getting like a crown tattoo on your neck isn't the smartest move if you really are innocent. And like, even if you decide to get 
one tattoo somewhere that's more hidden to blend in. Sinbad on your knuckles. Right. And like that's maybe do a little more subtle Nas if you really are a smart person. Um, maybe, I don't know what, you know, if you're doing heroin to relax and there it is what it is, but it, it just went a little too far for me to no, not I, think that's him. I agree. And I, I, I think too, a problem for me was that I felt like the pilot was a promise of a different show than what it became inside of that prison. And, um, I was much more interested in the way that this, uh, was gonna play out outside because everything inside seemed kind of heightened and it didn't have that familiarity and commonality and like that kind of like uh, environmentally rich thing that I was talking about that made uh, the world of New York and the justice system feel so unique. Yeah, here. it felt a lot less genuine than what you'd seen in Oz or I mean even at times Orange is the New Black and a lot of other prison shows that really have you seen Rectify at all? Mm -mm. Because, like, that, that deals with a very... Sun uh, Sunshine? Sunday. Sunday's sun channel. Yeah, sunshine, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, it's actually coming into its last season. It's, a, it's a, one of my favorite shows. It's a very, very understated, subtle show. Um, but deals with kind of the same thing for this. It's about a guy who was on death row for 20 years, and DNA evidence exonerates him, and he gets out, and he was 18 when he went into prison. So it's basically, like, the effects of incarceration. Now, that show has gone three seasons and has never tried really to lift the veil of what happened that night. And it's a very similar thing where he, like, took drugs and then was found dead with this, like, found with this girl dead. And no one really knows what happens. He doesn't know what happens. And um, the thing is, though, it's like your presumption of guilty or innocent in that show is based off the character you meet. And that show doesn't lie to you about who that guy is. There's... This guy who's been affected by this experience is his time in jail, and he's trying to like learn how to be a human again, but he hasn't known what that was for 20 years. Now, they try to kind of act like Nas has been in prison for like a year, when he's only been inside of it for like a week? We don't or know. Or months? So that's, the timeline so the, is really ambiguous. Timeline's really muddy in this. Like, I think like even putting in like a newspaper date or even using some like I don't care even the timeline in this finale was confusing like when it cuts to box golfing like right. I thought that was months after the trial for a minute well right how long was Nas in there because he also got jacked like he got stronger he started moving a lot more like yeah the burn on his arm yeah, healed like I also want to say like Rizamed was great. Just yeah, we haven't, we haven't actually talked about the performances, but I think him and Totoro were the standouts. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, and I, yeah. And I, across the board, this show is phenomenal acting, but those two performances, I thought, were really something. I agree, and Rizamed, the whole physical transformation he made, like, the way he walked changes, the way he looked at people, but, like, all of that was really fantastic. I think he did a great job, but I do think that the character of Nas is, is kind of a mystery at the end of the show, and in not the best way, because I kind of feel like the, like, the, like the omniscient narration of the show, like the showrunners, writers, whatever, kind of lied to us about who he was for the first half, and then, like, it was almost like he had a sides where he was a good person, and then and then they just like spent time taking those down, but then wanted to go back to that image again. The, the moment that really bothered me in that was I felt it was cheap how late they introduced the incidents that happened with him in middle school. I yeah. wish, whether or not they revealed that at the top, I wish there were clues to it at the top. In the same way that there are clues 
to so many more way obvious things at the beginning. Let's get some more subtle clues to Nas's background and maybe, I don't know what it is, if it's something in his house that he's, I don't, I don't know what you're going to put in for that, but just like something that isn't out of left field, like, oh, by the way, he assaulted this kid back in the day. Or just do something to show he's got a little bit of a temper with his parents maybe when they tell him don't go to this party. Like, uh, I, will, I will say, the, small beats, the like, one moment that stuck with me is the face he has after the guy, the Dwayne Reed and the other guy are yelling racist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a real face on him that pisses him off. That actually makes me think that, made me think that he was the murderer for a bit because Well, because he walks in with that anger, yeah. Exactly, and we saw that and we learned that's what caused his um, physical outlashes before. But but that kind of felt out of left field. I just Um, feel like what we end up with is a really unclear uh, idea of this guy. And and it's unfortunate because I feel like that stuff should have made him a more well-rounded like contradictory real life human, but instead it just made it seem like they're pulling him in whatever direction the plot needed to go. Yeah, and and I also think like he made no smart decisions in jail. Like that was the thing. It was like he just continued down this line of like I'm gonna do everything I can to make myself look guilty. Right, which made me think at the end when uh, Michael K. Williams was like, "Hey, man, it's not so bad here." Part of me thought he was gonna throw it and just say like, "I like my prison life." better because he had yeah gone there, so- there was definitely uh it definitely when he's on the stand i mean they play with those beats of like you know he's found some sense of purpose and family and belonging in jail and like that would have been a story i'd have been interested in too it was, it was just like i don't know i've talked to you about this it just felt like they did the inception spinning top thing with the jury not actually making a choice and certain stories like inception work on an ambiguous ending but a state something like this that's clearly building up towards making a statement you can't end it that way. Well, I, and, or, I mean, I guess you can. It just, for me, kind of, like, pulls away from your bigger picture. That doesn't bother me if they ended it ambiguous, if they actually ended it ambiguously. Sure, sure. Like, if they did not go so far to show you that the other guy was the killer, I would have been way And that Nas with the way is innocent. That was the thing for me, is, like, because that guy with that stuff, like, yes, they, they very damningly show him there, but the one that bothered me more was the Freddy scene of just being, like, you're innocent because I feel it, and that well, and that is, was John Stone's whole point too. Well, but I know, it, and we're meant to take that as like work, as, as like gospel here, you know. Like yeah. uh, Freddie is the most religious figure we have in this whole piece. Well, I, uh, so uh, th- that made me think of three different things. Um, one, just while we're on Freddie, I was actually pretty disappointed with the overall development of that character. I, I love Michael Good K. Performance, Williams. Good performance, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he killed it, and their scenes together were great, and he did everything. Was what he was given, right. I just wanted a little more context. It still wasn't enough for me that he was like, you're smart and good. Like, I I still wanted more behind that. But then what's silly about that is then that he wouldn't, like... Stop him from getting all these tattoos and and shaving his head and stuff. And it's like, if you really, like... That was the other thing I didn't understand, is once Nas had protection, he doesn't need to look like a tough guy anymore. That, that was the thing for me that I, I, I don't know, I just like, I, I get that he was trying to grow into this environment and stuff, it just, I don't, I don't know if that worked for me. Well, and I, you know, I like that you saw him pissed off when Nas left, like he's gonna miss him and stuff, but I think it would have been way more interesting if like, maybe there was an attempt by Freddie to keep him in there, and like it was something that he did need, and he actually tried to keep... Well, they showed Freddie Nas- try to help him out though, because he tried to get his mistrial No, happen, I know, so, I, yeah, 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 of course, um, but... 
I don't know. That that was um, I, I I just wish there was a little more because he is such a good actor and is able to handle this really weighty material. Yeah, I mean, and I wish there was just a little bit more so depth to him. There. I thought it was going because I've I've gotten I picked up from the very beginning that it, Andrea was running from something because she was like I can't spend tonight alone. It was like a very clear line in the pilot. I thought that was going to reveal that like it was Freddie she owed money and Freddie was the reason like Freddie's oh, a wow. drug dealer. I didn't think it was and like connected. and like that was like it was his fault that that Riz Ahmed was there in the first place, that Nas was even in prison, which, like, I don't know if that was then going to make him change his perception of Freddie, and then I also kept thinking, like, is he going to do something, and then that's going to make him stay in jail after he gets off from well, that's what the I, murder. So I it's like, you, I think and after, those are interesting things, too. Well, like, I, I texted you after the seventh episode, and my th- I thought that he was going to get off for the trial but get busted for smuggling the drugs because they made such a point of that second time that he was there yeah. with that woman that I thought, and, and Totoro clearly saying, hey, I'm not going to be able to get you off for what you're doing right now. So I thought where they made such a point of that, there was going to be more danger there. I guess the danger is that he's a heroin addict, and that's not fun for anyone. Um, I quickly want to say, before I forget, something I want to applaud them for is never showing us... They showed us the guy going towards the apartment. No, they, they never, never showed, showed the, the murder. Blackout yeah, footage. no, they also never showed the murder, and I right. never needed to see it, and it wasn't important, and it would have been like, like, uh, like fetishizing violence exactly. if you did it. Exactly. Well, because <laughs> they kept having these moments where Nas was doing heroin, where he was kind of having these comebacks to the scene that or just night. glimpses of right, beats, which, yeah. yeah, which, and I was really happy that like the heroin didn't make him see what actually happened, and that revealed that he did it or revealed who it was or something like that. So that 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 was something that I was happy they um, kept cool. I, I thought mean, it was kind of weird that Nas's final beat was like being sad Andrea was dead. I was like, really late for this to be where your brain goes. Like, now. I, I don't know. I, I just like, I didn't know what to make. I mean, maybe this is the other thing too. Is this is really fresh. But there are certain things about this, like, I didn't feel, I know the popular thing to do now is to have like a hyperbolic opinion about stuff. But I, I really don't, I didn't have so strong of a reaction no. to the finale of this show. It happened, there were things I liked, there were things that bothered me. But I, I got to the end and it was a lot of it, I was just like, I don't really know what to make of this because it kind of just went with the, like, the easiest solution in a lot of ways, which was to either not make a choice or to just kind of like let the cards fall and things just pick up. See, I, don't, I, I think it did make a choice. Like, I, I, think it sure, made, okay. I think it made a choice. I mean, it, 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 yes, yes. They to made say, like, a decision. The wheels of justice keep on spinning. And that, like. But not really? Because, like, I, I don't know. They're going to go try and catch the actual dude. So it's like, in the version of their version of this, justice wins and you get the bad guy. Like, I right? Get, like, I, that's what it's set up for. That's yes, really what it implied. Yes and no. I mean, this is part of why I wish they the made it more... The cat got a home. Like... This is part of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is part of why I wish they made it more ambiguous at the end. Because what's interesting to me about Weiss saying, no, I don't want a retrial, because she knows that there's this other information out there, another lawyer could get it, she's not confident about them winning it. What I'm interested in is maybe her not even knowing if it's the other guy, but being like, this is the new narrative, and this is a new case to win. Not necessarily, let's finally be good lawyers. Yeah, which is what it seemed like, though. Where right, it was so, like, you know, the retired cop and the and the cynical lawyer are going to team up right, and really like, catch the I bad guy. I wish Fox just went and retired, and I wish it was her being like, 
on the phone like, I've got our new guy. I will t- I tell you what, though. That's a spinoff show is the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like they, they'd be a hilarious box, duo. Box just the, like, NYU, the NYU security <laughs> box. No, no, no. I just like them like moonlighting as, yeah. as like investigators. They're both great. Um, I mean, one thing that we haven't pointed out that I think is the most like egregious flaw of the show Chandra. is that yeah, the taking down of Chandra as a character. Yeah. Um shame on you writers. Yeah, the moment Just she Just shame on you. The moment <laughs> she kissed Nas ruined her character all together because it just there was nothing leading up to it I guess she just broke up with her boyfriend they had one line in the previous episode where she was getting drunk because she was but a boyfriend we never met that we don't care about this is what I'm saying if you had beats where it followed her home and you get a little attached and you see the vignette of what she's struggling with also and then that builds up to something maybe then you can have moments like that I'm not not saying to do it I'm just saying that like here's a way where you could like what you were saying if the show kind of slowed down sometimes it went more into the wings, you could come back and let moments like that maybe work. Maybe. Right. She, she just had enough going for her, and I think the stakes were high enough for her to win this case that she didn't need to do that, let alone it was so unrealistic that she'd smuggle him drugs. There was just yeah. nothing ever to make us think this woman would do that. And I thought, like... And it also didn't read that Nas was playing her. Like, she very clearly kisses him. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's like she became stupid just so Stone could do that final monologue. It, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. And, like, and just because it didn't even affect the trial, it was like it was such a weird right. plot. And there point. were other ways to get Stone in on that final monologue. I also actually think it would have been interesting if um, they treated it as more of dual lawyers and not a one or two. Like, I would have really liked to see Stone being the one interrogating Don Taylor because they had the whole. Yeah. history there. Yeah. Like, I think we could have gotten more of Stone being a lawyer before he that finale. He was pretty good. I liked that performance. I, I thought he was, he was he was perfectly and, creepy. And we can also just say quickly, because I don't know how much focus we'll give, like, Totoro crushed the closing statement. Yeah, he really did. Really knocked it out of the um, park. Um, I, I did. This is the first beat where I was like, man, what if Gandolfini was playing this part? Oh, I thought that a lot. I thought that pretty much through the whole show. So, and it's not that I thought Totoro was bad. I'm just bu- I just think Gandolfini is like, the most interesting actor ever. I, I, so I've just bought Totoro as this part hook, line, and sinker since the first episode, so I haven't really questioned it, and I've, I've just been reveling and loving his performance, but there's there's something about Gandolfini where he, he's just got this, like, presence. I mean, and part of it is because he's, like, just a big guy that, like, you can't miss him in a room, and I think that coupled with the, like, eczema stuff... Would have been such an interesting him sitting combo. sitting on the train instead of Totoro in well, that huge frame. And his, like, wheezy breathing. Like, he can't breathe quietly. And, like, I don't know. Those are just such specific, just, like, old man kind of, like, yeah. slump, like, big dude, slumped down, defeated dude that, like, I don't know. And also just, like, having him being physically imposing would have made it kind of interesting. Yeah, it's no knock on Totoro. He was great, but I couldn't help. No, I mean, this is Totoro's role. Right. This is his show. Yeah. It will, it, like, we'll never get to know. But, but I, I couldn't help but think what would Gandolfini do? Episodes, <laughs> dude, it just it, it made me sad that he's not with us anymore. Yeah, um, this was definitely the one where I was like, wow, I would have loved to see him go after something like this. Because I, I don't know if I've seen Totoro do this, but we've seen him give like you know like big speech in a movie type thing. At least I, I, I feel like I have, and um, I don't know. It's like a. This would have been really interesting to see Gandolfini do. Also, like, when Totoro shoves Don Taylor up against the, like, in the uh, alley. That's what I'm saying. I thought he could have kicked his ass. If he's physically... Gandolfini... If, if he's physically imposing, like... Yeah. 
Um, and, you and need I, a guy really just, big. I, I don't want to spend too much time harping on the Chandra thing because, like, it's obvious what was I just thought so terrible about that and how demeaning it was to her character. I just thought they but wasted a character. They wasted her, but what I thought was actually interesting was how she wasn't a good lawyer before that. And I actually think her being a bad lawyer yeah. is really interesting without all that crap with the drugs and the romance. Like, her presence in... She she wasn't asking very good questions. No. She wasn't confident. Mm-mm. Like, had zero charisma. And I think that was interesting. Her being a bad lawyer when she was the one the parents liked because she was, you know, different. She was a minority. And her being a smart, you know, young woman who you're rooting for. It was the moment they made it that we couldn't root for her that really took down her character. Yeah, and I guess, other than Totoro, I mean, they give you reasons to hate everybody in the show, and I guess that was part of it, but it was like, I I just felt like it it, it was just, it was so plot device It was like, you have her kiss him because of plot. Like, right. and, uh, and, and that stuff just, it, it was character assassination. I mean, it's really what it was, and it's just such a shame, because I thought she was, she was killing it in that role before that episode. And then they just bring that in, and I was like, wow, I can't even, I can't even remotely get behind this. Yeah. But, ruined the show? No. No, but it but, definitely ruined that storyline. Yeah, it definitely brought it down a few pegs for me. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's a show of brilliant moments and a show of even some moments that made me cringe. And overall, I'm like, I'm really happy it happened. I would recommend it to people. It's an easy episode. If you like crime watch. dramas, I think if you if you like Law and Order, this is like a way better version That's what I said, of that. It's all star Law yeah. and Order. At its best, it's like the first episode. I think is up there with like True Detective and other stuff we've seen recently that really is like well pinnacle. I think the and that pilot at its worst, it's all star Law and Order. The pilot is a little deceptive because the pilot actually watches like its own film. And I, I think it promises something a little more original and a little more out there than what is actually delivered by the end of the eight episodes. Now, that's like, I, I mean, I, I understand that they want to have, you know, like a conventional plot structure where like things, you know, uh, have a purpose and, and lead up to points and like come back to each other and like, you know, it's a whodunit and all that. But for me, it was like the, the I kind of wanted this show to just be like this wandery, strange thing that just like made statements in an obtuse way. Right. Where and you're it, on HBO. it was going around the point rather than just trying to like go right at it. And I think that some of the time in this finale when they tried to run at it, it just like hit a wall. Right. And you're on HBO. You have Steve Zalian and Richard Price. You, you have the opportunity to really do what you want and do something unconventional. So just, yeah, we've, we keep saying this. In its most procedural moments, it disappointed. Um, Season two? If they do, it won't be, it can't be any of the same characters. No, it would have right. to be, uh, so the, the British show is, a, it's like an anthology where it's like each arc is a different case and it's just meant to show like criminal justice. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be, I would watch a second season. I'd especially watch a second season if it was in a different city. I think taking it out of New York would really help it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but again, like, I don't want them to do the true detective thing and just say we're going to do another one next year because this has been in development since 2012. And I know part of that has to do with Gandolfini and recasting and this and that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this there's took a lot of time yeah, to piece together. And the biggest part of True Detective 2 was that it was rushed. Well, yeah, um, I, I don't, I'm not, I, I, I'm. I think I'd watch a season two. I don't need it, though. I'm indifferent. But, to it. yeah, I was like, this finishes itself and... 
yes, I, I, I could see where you could take this turf into another show. I actually see how you could take this turf and improve it in another, you know, arc. Um, but I'm with you. I would hope that they would take their time, maybe take a year off. Like maybe, maybe these anthology shows, like I kind of feel the same thing about stranger things. Like they don't really need to work on that classic, like year to year cycle necessarily. Like we wait years for movie sequels. Um, if you're going to craft an original story from scratch, I, I'm fine if it takes more than one season to do I that. I completely agree. Um, I, I just want to point one more thing. I also can imagine that this was a ratings hit like True Detective. Like, I don't, I just don't, I'm not feeling like the watercolor bu- water cooler buzz around this is anywhere close to what that was. I kind of disagree, though. I, I think... Really? I just haven't talked, maybe I just haven't been talking to people who've watched it. I feel like I've, I have, like, a group of five different people I've been talking to every Monday morning about this. We did when we were out at that, we were out at a bar on Thursday, and we were playing pool, and, and somebody, I think somebody said something, and this girl at the other table was like, you guys are watching the night of? Who do you think did it? We actually yeah, started a conversation with strangers of, there, of, so like, there's something. It, I think because it came out in the summer, there's... There's not that I mean Netflix has a great thing going for it this summer, but like there's not too much going on on the major networks. You like can't, you can't really water cooler Netflix shows though because you right. binge them all at once. Like there's just that's, nothing that's there. That's what to... I'm saying. Like if you're in the Sunday night HBO slot, especially as the drama, you're going to be able to dominate conversation for a little bit. And I and I that's what I like about this. I'm happy this existed. It's also it's also you know it's kind of hard to have this conversation without taking in the, uh, without looking at it as a reflection of the times, right? Like, if this comes out five years ago, I think we're way more hyped on it than we are now. J- yeah, I mean, based that, off the climate. If this is a pre-True Detective show, sure. pre, like, the anthology blow-up. I, I think a few things. Five years ago, him, I mean, not really. I was going to say, like, the, the religious implications of his being a, a Muslim and assumed guilt would be would be worse, but that's... I mean, you turn on the news now, and they're talking about banning Muslims from America. Yeah, so, and, like, uh, that's, that, honestly, that's good. Whenever that's one of the highlights of the show is just they did focus on a Muslim American family. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Really tell their story, and um, yeah. So, like, th- that's there. Um, I I think uh, what they're up against though is just a more competitive television environment, yeah, and well, that that's tricky because there's just a lot of competition, and um, also the Reddit environment though, the thing of like everyone guessing who it is and everyone has a theory, yeah. and I saw some guy called out who it was on Reddit, and just like the way we watch it is is especially something that has like a core mystery at the end of it. Well, to be honest, I would love to see like a show done that is like out and out like a clue style murder mystery done by a premium network because the game of the audience to try and figure that out would be so much fun. Now, I know that things like Scream Queens and stuff try to play with that. Uh, this MTV's Scream TV show was like, here's your set of kids, one of them is the killer. And um, I don't know, <laughs> I kind of like that stuff. Um, I don't know if it really served this show, but uh, I think that there's a place for something like that in prime time that could be or like really, really fun to, to engage with. Yeah. Law premium, or- premium. Sorry, I said prime time. I gotcha. Law and Order does not have to be the only procedural or the only yeah. mystery. Like, there is room for it, and I like that this played with it. I mean, I, I think just a few more things as we wrap up. One, did you notice the Yellow King was the judge? Because I did not notice that until this episode. From the Carcosa? Like From the, True Detective. Oh, shit. No, I didn't. Yeah, which was very... Funny. Weird, weird character. Yeah. Really big chip on his shoulder yeah, for yeah, like yeah, no yeah. reason. He's kind, of, he's kind of a dick. Uh, yeah. He wasn't a very good judge, I didn't think. No, I thought he was kind of like forcing thought, the jury's hand. I thought like, at the end he was just going to be like, well, now I get to decide. You're guilty, kid. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, you got to be, you can't do that. And the jury's like, yeah, we can. Like, this is, 
what, like, don't bully us. Well, and he <laughs> should have done a mistrial. Like, I don't know. That that was, to me, though, like, the miscarriage of justice in certain beats, to me, was where this show was really strong. But, yeah, it may, I guess that was intentional, that he was sticking it to stone by, like, not, even though it should have been a mistrial. Um, I guess one more thing I just want to point out that I, I just feel like at times the... Um, Writers wore their cleverness on their sleeve a little too much, and there were some very <laughs> heavy-handed moments, and a few just to say is like most there were Freddy that, lines. Yeah, there were a few, <laughs> but also there were there were like a handful of moments that made me laugh out loud I in mean, a way I shouldn't. Call have. the wild. <laughs> yes, but even even beyond that, like when the doctor says you got to get rid of your cat, and then Totoro walks by a window of like cat toys in Chinatown, and there's one like waving at him. When Nas's dad was the delivery guy. That was way too much for me, and I, there's no way she got his dad on Seamless. Let's be real here. There's no way he was Chandra's delivery guy. They don't live in the same neighborhood. There's, that was, oh, sure. I was like, was wait, way, what are you... you I, I, yeah, it took me a minute to even Sorry, remember that Sorry, that was just way too much for me. Like, we I get think, that I they're think, struggling I think to the find the money. I think the idea of her running into one of the parents in a service job, though, is still fine. One in a million odds in the city, but, like... I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't I th- hate that. I thought it was too much in the same episode. We got the mom cleaning and struggling, doing like a bad janitorial job, and then the dad also delivering. I just don't think we needed both. I thought, but even more like the dialogue moments when like Totoro's getting the uh, photocopies done. He's like, what is this? Law and order? Or at the top of this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. The where the guy's like, you making these for Law and Order? Yeah, at the top. I of, actually thought that, that one got me. I thought uh, that was pretty funny. The, the, top, the, the one I think that bothered me the most was at the top of the finale when the guys are like, why isn't there ever a cop show where the cop just doesn't give a fuck? And like. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, the, it started with a voiceover that was saying that. Yeah, and, and I just think these writers are s- historically good writers, and I, I just don't think they needed to lean into those, like, obtuse... Well, um, this is something I've struggled like with that. when I wrote stuff. Like, I know this was really prevalent in the first uh, drafts of Gents, um, but... The series we did for those who... Yeah, yeah, know. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fool, Foolish Gentleman, Fantastic Adventures yeah. Foolish Gentleman. Um, I feel like uh, there's a tendency to really enjoy self-referential humor when you're the writer because you're basically poking fun at yourself but i i've found that it's really obnoxious nine times out of ten as an audience member and um you like the thing to just have a comment rather than to watch the thing comment on itself now sure there's people like seth mcfarlane that can do things like family guy where it's all self-referential and that's kind of like the style of what it what it is and it works but like i generally find and especially in stuff with a more serious tone there's really just no place for that that feels natural. And, and it just, like, it's those moments where you just, you feel the hand of the writer a little too much. Um, I mean, overall, I think this piece was incredibly well-written, though. Like, yeah, there's those little beats and there's the Chandra dilemma. But, like, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that what they had a lot to juggle with this. And I, I wasn't always happy with where it went. But I think that there's also this, like, I mean, I was talking about it before, that, like, hyperbolic conception that or like, this this internet sensation of, like, it's either the best show or this is why it was the worst. And I really think that, like, I enjoyed this, but I didn't love it. And it wasn't perfect, but that doesn't mean it's bad either. Like, no, and it's always easier for us to point out and harp on the things that bothered us versus the things that really well, worked. Being critical. I mean, we're, we're trying to be be critics here. Like, that's a, yeah, 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 but, <laughs> you know, a little on the, like, point of what we're doing. But Yeah, but I'm, I guess I'm just saying, like, this is, this is not bad TV. I watch much, much worse TV than this. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, there were... But I think, I mean, the reason I think you and I enjoyed sitting down to do these podcasts in the first place, though, is because we just like kind of like looking at this and seeing what worked, what didn't, you know, uh, how does this shape up against everything else right now? And uh, I think this was a fascinating piece to come out right now in the middle of everything else. I mean, it's it's very quiet and very like not grandiose in the way that a lot of things are. Absolutely. It's anti-Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, that's all I really got. I mean, again, like, I would, if you, I mean, I assume you've seen it if you've listened to this, but it's something that I would still recommend to people if they're looking for a nice contained show to watch. Yeah, I would say, too, if you, if you like this show, I would encourage people to watch Rectify. I think it's a, it's, it's not the same thing, but it's a similar turf, and it, I mean, that shows a little bit more of a, a Southern Gothic, like, uh, just, like, you know, effects of this one crime on this town 20 years later, but... It, it deals with a lot of the same stuff and a lot of the same themes, and, and I, I find that show, um, I like it better than this, but it's very different. It, it's, it's like, it, that, there's just nothing quite like that one, but it's similar turf, and I think, I think if you dig this, you'll dig that. Very cool. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. If you want to find more of our episodes or subscribe to the podcast, you can search for the Foolish Gents Filmcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Yeah, you can also contact us right into the show at foolishgents at gmail.com. And uh, we plugged it before, but we'll plug it again. You can watch The Fantastic Adventures of Foolish Gentlemen, our original series, at foolishgents.com. And we hope you do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So enjoy that, guys, and we will be back soon.